Steve, happy Monday. How are you, man? Uh, really good. Really good. Another you, uh, fun weekend with the family and hanging out, just chilling, getting yeah. ready for Christmas. We missed the Monday minute last week, honestly, just because things have still been so chaotic <laughs> <laughs> post Black Friday. Um, we're yeah, we're getting there. Almost <laughs> caught up. I think by the end of the day, Tuesday, we'll be finally caught up on shipping. But yeah, last week was like, like had the Monday minute scheduled and it's like, uh, Mark, can we do it Tuesday? Can we do it Wednesday? It was just, uh, you know, we were one of our uh, Jakey Poo that works for us was out with COVID and then uh, Rob was on vacation. And so we were short two people and that on top of the the rush of Black Friday was, um, yeah, it was a lot to tackle, but we're, we're chipping away through it. Just It just takes time. You know, it's uh, I think we've said it before, for, but it takes 30 minutes on average to get a pack out the door from the time we QC all the parts, build it, inspect it. And then we basically gets uh, kind of passes through three sets of hands before it actually gets sealed up in the box to make sure we uh, catch any, you know, QC things. And um, it just takes time. And unfortunately you got a stack of orders and just, there's nothing but, um, you know, it takes a couple of weeks to get through. So yeah. yeah. When you're a small team and you just go one man down, that's like a percentage wise. It's a big part. Of your oh yeah. Workforce. <laughs> yeah no, we're, we were legit. Yeah. Like 40% down on the yeah. workforce. So. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, we had a, uh, to hop into listener questions, we had a pack related one. So we'll just hit that. Uh, and I think we've probably touched on this, but it comes up over and over again. Um, and this guy wrote in and said, have you guys ever used your pack to carry your kids when hiking? Any advice? I have two young kids and often when we go hiking together as a family, at least one of them decides they don't want to walk anymore. I was thinking about taking my pack along in case this happens, but wanted to see if you have any experience. Mm. Um, I've never put the kids in the pack. I've definitely used the frame before. Um, <laughs> speaking of, my little boy just ran into the room. He's figured out <laughs> how to open the door and bust in here. What's up, dude? <laughs> um, so we do have uh, like this Gregory Child's carrier thing, though, um, and it's got its own integrated suspension. But I've taken uh, um, taken our frame and just strapped it right to that Gregory, and yeah, it's it's infinitely more comfortable um but that gregory you know it's got this child nice child seat and they get strapped in and it's secure so um that's been my go-to for like if i want to take the kids um you know like just yesterday in fact i took my son and my dog for a hike uh it was about an hour long and um and that that's what i ended up doing so if it's just a short little trip i don't strap the frame on it but yeah um yeah, I just think it wouldn't be very. Co- I've seen people throw kids in the pack and they kind of stand up inside the bag. Yeah, they use a crib and stand there, and I think that's fine in a short duration. But I think you want them somewhat comfortable if you're going to be in there for an hour or so. Yeah, I mean, we it would be fun uh, to do some sort of attachment. I'm sure we could, but honestly, just so many other many other things to tackle. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as, as you just said, the most comfortable thing for the kid is just strap a kid carrier to the pack. I used to do that. Um, I had a Kelty kid carrier in the frame and the harness, the suspension, everything was just terrible. So I ended up just like you're doing now, strapping it to a, an exo frame. And as you said, you'll see guys drop kids in the bags. Uh, we've hiked with Tyler Boshma with his son, um, you know, with him doing that. So that works for shorter trips, but, um, yeah, those are the things to check out for sure. Um, I would avoid the crib. <laughs> we, we've had customers send it in and I'm always like, Oh, that poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> they basically have a crib wedgie, um, yeah, when they're sitting in there. <laughs> so, um, 
A question on rangefinders that came in and said, I'm curious what your thoughts are on rangefinders and if it's worth it spending extra money on them. I have a Leupold that stopped working and sent it in for repair. I got an email back saying it can't be fixed, but I can buy one of theirs at a discount. I'm wondering if I should use this offer to get an upgraded model or just stick with the basic lower end models. I mainly bow hunt with some rifle hunting mixed in. I don't need a 2000 yard rangefinder, but I'm wondering if some of the upgraded models are more accurate, have better angle compensation, lighting, etc. So pretty open-ended there, but essentially, you know, budget versus more premium kind of advanced rangefinders. Um, first things to think through there for you, Steve. Yeah, it's funny. I was in this guy's exact shoes two years ago. Um, and uh, I had used a Leopold forever. You know, I think prior to that, I, you know, I was like a Nikon, a Bushnell, a Vortex. Um, and in fact, for um, back before EXO, when I was just doing SNS archery, we did a pretty in-depth rangefinder review at the time, which was like a Vortex, Leopold. Um, gosh, I can't remember all of them. I'm sure the blog article still exists out there somewhere. Um, but I remember we did that pretty in-depth review where we spent like a couple of weeks with them, ran them through different scenarios. And, and the Leopold at the time won. Like, um, I remember, right, the, the Leica glass and ranging ability was fantastic. But where they really, really lacked was in the angle compensation. It would, uh, if you're you know, obviously ranging up or down, it would give you the non-cut distance first, and then it would pause and it'd take a couple seconds and then show you the actual angle compensated distance second. Uh, and it would, to me as a bow hunter, as a rifle hunter, I mean, that could, I mean, it definitely could play a role for you. Um, but a bow hunter just seemed like, well, that's like two seconds where you could already have your bow drawn that you're sitting there waiting just to get the range. So that kind of threw that one out the window from a bow hunting perspective. Uh, I don't know if like has updated that or not in the last few years, but, um, anyways, Leopold one back then, I uh, used it for years, you know, it was fine. It did everything I needed to do. And then, um, I got a, a friend of mine had the SIG, um, one day, and I think we were at Tamarack, the Northwest mountain challenge archery shoot. And I, uh, I didn't have mine. I borrowed his SIG that day. And uh, I was like, whoa, I had no idea what I was missing out on here. Um, the, the ranging was insanely fast. Uh, and then one thing I specifically remember how, how well the scan mode worked on it, where, um, you know, you just hold down the button and you're just getting constant information fed into their ranges, um, which the Leopold would do, but was much, much slower to do that. Uh, I never used scan mode because it was kind of you know, kind of clunky and didn't work that well. So, um, yeah, so that, I guess for me, I ended up using that SIG. And then since then I haven't tried anything else. Um, it's just been a fantastic rangefinder, And, and I think even the lower end SIG models still have the, like from a bow hunting perspective, still kind of have the same capabilities as the higher one, as far as like, uh, just the, the internal components of ranging where it, it's, it's fast and precise and a really good scan mode. Yeah, kind of same story. Um, been super happy with the SIG. Uh, just to throw a teaser out there, um, we're actually getting ready to do a Christmas giveaway that's not like a, we're not doing it for any other purpose than to say thank you. So it's it's going to be a giveaway for anyone who's essentially purchased from XO in uh, 2020 here this year. And actually one of the prizes is going to be a SIG rangefinder. So that's a teaser, but stay tuned for more to come there. Um, in terms of answering this guy's question, I mean, it, for me, it always is like, gosh, it, it comes down to budget and where you're at with that and what you're doing. I mean, it sounds like 
you know, this guy can get some sort of discount on the Leopold if that's significant and you can get, you know, a fantastic deal on a, a good rangefinder. Um, then, you know, obviously consider that if he's considering just like a basic Leopold versus a little bit more advanced in features, um, especially with the discount and probability, I would say probably go ahead and invest in something higher end, um, a little bit higher end. I, I've just found that the options and things like that are worth it. Um, to me, a rangefinder used to just be all I want is to be able to hit a point and get an angle compensated distance, especially for a bow hunting perspective. But as you said, Steve, now with things like scan mode, um, lighting, just the speed and kind of consistency of rangefinders. I mean, that's one thing I've been disappointed in the past is with more budget rangefinders. It's just, I just don't, I couldn't trust them as much because they didn't feel consistent. Um, and you know, you'd be hitting different things and getting different yardages. And if you can't trust it, you're not going to want to use it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I was just saying, and to be fair to Leopold, I haven't used a, like, I don't know if they've updated anything in the last few years. It's, you know, yeah. probably the, the closest one I've used is four years old at this point. So, right. I'm not sure yeah. if it's, they're still selling the same product or if they have improved things a little bit. For sure. Um, man, everything's so gear heavy today, yeah, <laughs> which I guess is a surprise. The, it's the time of year. It's the time of year. Done hunting. And it's time to start researching all the gear you want to replace from last year. So, yeah. Um, this one's always good. I mean, we've touched on budget gear, which is essentially what this question's about. Uh, the guy wrote in and said, Hey, I'm new to the podcast world and probably listened to a year's worth of your shows in the last two months. I've never been a backpacker or backcountry hunter, but the more I listen to your podcast, the more I'm intrigued by the idea. Looking at the prices of lightweight tents and sleep systems is a little scary. Do you know of a good place to look for used gear or would I be better off just spending the money to get new gear? Um, yeah, obviously if you're starting and new to backpacking, new to backcountry hunting, um, and putting those two together and don't have gear and you're looking to get outfitted from the beginning, it's a scary proposition for sure. Um, from a budget perspective, you know, to get to the, the point of his question in terms of buying used versus investing in new, I, I mean, unless, unless you truly have a good budget, I don't. Yeah, I don't see going from zero to a hundred being affordable, you know, and, and getting set up in a year. And so I would say look used, um, look at different budget options, which we can talk about here in a second. Um, and also don't let not having the right gear keep you from getting started. By that, I mean, if you can't get um, fully outfitted to, you know, to backpack hunt, to like take off from a trailhead with five days worth of food and gear and clothing and head into the mountains and hunt, don't let that keep you from hunting. So make a plan for this coming year for 2021 to do what you can with what you have or what with, with what you can acquire by then. And maybe that means hunting from the truck next year. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but to get to budget gear, a few resources. One is so episode 160 uh, is a good place to go check out our budget gear recommendations. I can't remember, essentially the premise of that episode, Steve, was we each gave ourselves, I can't remember what it was, $500, and we had to buy certain items, and you and I separately went quote-unquote shopping um, to outfit ourselves with those items in that budget, and then we detailed what we picked and why. Um, so that'd be a good resource. And when it comes to buying used gear or budget gear, um, you know, there are things like forums and Facebook groups where hunters are buying and selling gear, you know, forums like Rockslide, 
numerous Facebook groups that exist out there. Um, that's not something that I've done much of. And then I would just say, think outside the box in terms of don't think hunt specific for everything. Um, obviously when it comes to things like shelter, that's not hunt specific, but even things like clothing. Um, I think that's a, one of the areas where you can blow a budget really, really fast is just trying to get all the Gucci camo. Um, and you just don't have to. So think outside the box, especially when it comes to clothing and then start shopping off season. Um, you know, things like the REI garage sale sites, like steep and cheap, which are closeout sites. Um, there's just always deals out there on good backpacking or general outdoors gear. That's not necessarily hunt specific that can save you a ton of cash. So, um, yeah. What, what do you got Steve on that one? Anything else come to mind? No, yeah, I think you're 100% spot on. Um, I remember in my early 20s getting into backpacking and, you know, didn't didn't have a um, much of a budget, like basically just kind of had like this got cheap gear that was okay enough, you know, to get me through. And then every year was like, um, specifically at the time was like, remember using my REI would have that 20% off coupon in the spring and you'd get your dividend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like one year I got uh, a new tent. The next year I got a new sleeping bag. Uh, the next year I got a water filter, right? Like all those kind of core elements. It was just like every year I was upgrading and, and getting into like basically what I wanted, right? Like uh, the sleeping bag at the time was a, uh, I think it was a Marmot hydrogen, like 15 degree bag. I think that's what it was called. Um, super nice two pound bag, you know, back then. That, um, so I was getting into the gear that I was, you know, like my, what I was like the top of my list, uh, but by using sales and, and stuff like that to do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, don't let, to me, um, like it's probably more applies to clothing than anything. Um, but when it's like nice weather, you're talking September bow hunting in, in the Western States as a you know really rough rule, you're going to have good weather. I mean, sure. It can snow. Sure. You're going to have some storms, but for the most part, you're talking temps from 30 to 80 degrees, uh, and some beautiful sunny days in there. And you really don't need like super technical clothing to go do that stuff. I think that the, the high end clothing allows me to hunt later into the year to go November backpacking, uh, when it's, you know, 10 degrees for the high, um, that's, you know, those layers and the, and the ability for stuff to, to breathe and keep you dry. I mean, that all uh, helps there, but as far as like September, you know, you could, you dang near work cotton uh people don't watch you know it's dangerous whatever but um you know you get away with a lot more when it's nice weather so um yeah if you don't got the greatest gear i maybe wouldn't go out on a five-day trip knowing it's going to be you know 25 degrees and snowing on you every day but if it's good weather go for it so uh and then also you know if you got if you don't have great gear you know you don't, don't bite off a five-day bullet do a one-night trip just go back there two miles experience it go in for the night uh, come back out the next day. You know, you don't got to go like full hog into this thing. So, um, yeah, just little different things you can do just to get started and build up. And then, you know, four or five years down the road, you're, um, you know, backpacking like a champ. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that crosses the point where the gear part becomes, I don't want to say boring, but like easy. Um, you know, I mean, I think that's where you and I both are, Steve. It's like, it's fun to look at new gear, but to be honest, we wouldn't have to do anything. Um, and that's a, a nice place to be when it's like, oh, it's upgrading because it's there's something fun or new or exciting. We want to try it. But in the end, like 
as intimidating as it is up front for this guy, like you said, over the course of a few years, you're going to get to the point where you just, you're dialed, you know what works for you, you've tried it. Um, and so just don't be intimidated by it. Just get started. And like you said, just get your toes wet and eventually you're going to be swimming. Since we're talking gear, Steve, might as well hit some boots, man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this guy is totally different, uh, kind of take on boots. than I think what we've talked about prior, um, he says he's looking for opinions on lightweight, warm weather hiking boots, specifically for the desert mm. uh, southwest. And so he's looking for something with max ventilation, not Gore-Tex lined, because uh, he wants breathability and doesn't need the water resistance. He says he's been wearing the Vask Breeze, but they've been discontinued. In the past, he's tried Morel um, Moab Mids, which are a pretty standard boot but he thought they were too flexible. And then part of the reason I want to throw this at you, he said he was thinking of trying the Salmon X Ultra Arrow and didn't know if we had any experience there. So I know you've worn X Ultras a ton, but I didn't know if you've tried that Arrow version, which is the... No, yeah, it's, I think it's a newer version of it. No, I haven't. Uh, I mean, that the X Ultra platform is just fantastic. Um, I absolutely love it. I mean, if they're... Uh, it's actually, you know, some people knock Salmon for durability, the X ultras are fantastic. Um, as far as like the shoe, the sole, the grip, everything lasting a long time. I, I've got one pair that, uh, they're like yellow and green that are, they're from the first hundred mile death hike. And I continue to wear them now is just like, you know, camp They're sat in our travel trailer all year and wear them as camping shoes and stuff like that. And they still, they don't have tears or holes or there's no major signs of wear other than they've got a couple thousand miles of hiking on them. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're fantastic shoe. So, um, yeah, if he's not looking for um, uh, something that, um, yeah, but a mid-height boot like that, I think it'd be a really, really good choice. So, And they have a sweet – to me, I don't think I realized it because I just kind of – X-Ultra was like the first shoe I started wearing consistently, but it's, it is a – they have a really good um, – basically – construction to the shoe the midsole the sole the shank all that crap um where it's got a lot of cushion in it it's got good stability um but at the same time it's flexible right and comfortable to wear all day and, and putting long miles in uh, some of the other shoes i've tried um they, they you know you definitely feel the rocks more underneath you they're, they're a lot more like i don't know how to describe it but the solomon does a good job of being like pliable flexible comfortable cushioning but at the same time, it's got there's something in there that gives it enough that you can walk ro- walk on rocks and, and things like that, and not necessarily just feel every bit of the ground underneath you. So, um, yeah, that's a great choice. So if, if he tries it out, have him give us some feedback and let us know what he thinks of him. Yeah, cool, awesome. We'll wrap that there, guys. Uh, we got more questions already for next time. But if you have a question for us, feel free to shoot us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. We'll have a full-length episode coming out this Wednesday. Uh, And then stay tuned if you heard that teaser about the Christmas giveaway because we'll have more coming on that soon as well. So thank you guys for the support. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.